0: would someone sexually abused by a spiritual authority stay quiet? And why would a person ever stay in a relationship with someone who's abusing her? Welcome to the Roy's Report, a podcast dedicated to reporting the truth and restoring the church. I'm Julie Roy's, and today's podcast is brought to you in part by Judson University, a university shaping lives that shape the world. Well today I'm going to be discussing a very sensitive subject, uh, yet sadly a subject that recently has grabbed headlines, and that is sexual abuse in the church. But more specifically, we're going to be discussing the abuse that my guest today says she endured by Dr. Gilbert Bilzekian, a co-founder of Willow Creek Community Church. He's also a professor of New Testament emeritus at Wheaton College, where he taught for 20 years. In fact, when I was a student at Wheaton College, I actually had Dr. Bilzekian for a class. He was also known as Dr. B. That was back in the mid-80s, also when my guest today got to know Dr. B., and I remember back then, he had a reputation for being a flirt. Everyone knew it. In fact, I reached out to my sister, who also was a student, and she texted me back, and she said she remembers Dr. B. She remembers the saying that if you wanted an A, you sit in the front row and you wear a short skirt. Friends, this was at Wheaton College. This was at the Evangelical Flagship School, as a lot of people call it. But what everyone said was, oh, he's French. And somehow that excused his behavior. And I'll be honest, I was super naive back then. I never would have thought that a spiritual authority, a professor, a leader in the church could ever prey on unsuspecting students or members of a congregation. That thought just would not have entered my mind. Yet that's what my guest today says Dr. B did to her. Her name is Ann Lindbergh. And just a few days ago, Ann posted her story of abuse on Facebook, which started 35 years ago, and she reported to the church 10 years ago. Up until this week, there's been no public admission of any wrongdoing. Dr. B has continued to mentor and teach at Willow Creek. He was honored at the church's 40th anniversary celebration in 2015 as the living legend of Willow Creek until... 2018, the cafe at Willow Creek was actually named Dr. B's, but wow, have things changed in a very short period of time. Just two days after Anne posted her account on Facebook, and then I and another blogger, Julie Ann, we reposted to our blogs. Acting senior pastor Steve Gillen sent an email to staff at Willow Creek in it. He said that the church believes Dr. B engaged in, quote, inappropriate behavior. And the harm that he has caused was inexcusable. The next day, Willow Creek elders published a statement which was sent to congregants. It stated that the church is heartbroken over the abuse of a congregant by a church co-founder, Dr. Gilbert Bilzeke. And The elders said that the victim came to them, told them about it 10 years ago, and they believed her, the abuse included, but was not limited to, quote, hugs, kissing, inappropriate touching, and sending overly personal communication. At that time, the church said it restricted Bilzikian from serving, but, quote, the restriction was not adequately communicated, resulting in Dr. Bilzikian serving and teaching in various capacities over the years. Wow. So, Anne, welcome, and thank you so much for coming in. You must be exhausted after this week.
1: Thank you, Julie. Um, This isn't a position I ever thought that I would find myself in. And, um, I had to think about it a long time and, um, I didn't realize how much the secrets weighed on my conscience and on my health. And the only reason I decided to come forward, um, was for the sake of other people, because I was fairly sure that I wasn't alone. And in that fact, I I wish I'd spoken earlier. Um, but I'm here for the people who haven't had therapy since 1987 hmm. and I'm, I'm here for those who are still hurting and still broken and still afraid and afraid to tell anyone um, and so I want there to be something out of what I've gone through and just stand in front for those people. Hmm. We started talking and corresponding months
0: ago. Yes. And I know your story again goes back years but could you have even imagined, I mean, when you posted on Facebook, and I didn't even know you were going to do it. I saw it go up, and then you sent me a private message and alerted me. But um, I didn't know you were going to do it. You, you did that. I mean, one, that took some guts. What made you do it now to go public, and what did you think was going to happen?
1: Um, well, um, I really thought about it back in uh, 2018 when I met with Mania Imprashear of the Tribune, but I just wasn't ready then. I hadn't gone through all of my journals. And
0: Manya by the way, was the reporter who first broke the stories of the women who said they had been abused by Bill Hybels, Correct. the senior, former senior pastor at Willow Creek.
1: Correct, yes. And um, she left the Tribune before I was able to get all my information together. Um, so I sat with that for a while. And It took me a year of going through 35 years of journals and emails and um, finding postcards and things like that uh, to write it. And it was a brutal year writing it. Um, Mm. But my health is so much better than it's been in years. So what finally made me, I had been waiting for a go from God. And I didn't know what it would look like or sound like. But I was listening to a sermon and the person was talking about when it's time to express your anger or not. And there was a line in there, and he said, "Sometimes it's time for the whip." And he talked about Jesus clearing out the money changers. And I, uh, you, I don't, you don't, know, don't hear God's voice, but I heard go. Hmm. And so I thought, now, <laughs> now, 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 it's time to go. Mm-hmm. And so that was about two or three weeks ago. And so that's when I started. Trying to reduce 57 pages to an article that people would actually read.
0: <laughs> no, you said 57 pages. It ended up being 3,000 words, um, which again I posted to my blog. Uh, Julianne with a spiritual sounding board. She posted to her blog. The the word of it spread so fast, and and then Willow Creek responded. But for all these years, my goodness, no one was responding. No. And I know for you, that took a toll on your health,
1: right? Oh, it was horrible. Um, everything from uh, breast cancer to a stroke to a nodule in my lung to mm. um, vocal cord disorder, um, uh, damaged nerve endings. And my doctors tell me it's all from the stress. In fact, one of my doctors said that every time I go to Willow, it's like um, ingesting poison and being re-traumatized. Mm. Um, And I know that every week. I shake every week that I go. But I've gone because I loved Willow, and I didn't want to give up on the people of Willow.
0: Hmm. So you're still going to Willow Creek.
1: Yes. (laughs) I don't know, though, that they'll let me in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you have heard some communication. Jeff Mason and Elder did reach out to you. Yes, um, but... And this was, which night was this? This was Tuesday night he reached out, right before they published their statement.
1: And it was, um, he asked me a couple quick questions. I I refused to do it except on a recorded phone call, so I called him back. But then he was ready to get off the phone, and I said, I have a couple questions for you. And so I wanted to know um, if it was finally, if Steve's response meant, and his calling me meant, that the victims who have already come forward about Bill Hybels, would finally have their chance to speak at Willow. You meant
0: Jeff, not Steve. I'm
1: sorry, Jeff. Yes, Jeff. And if Steve would finally have his day to speak. And when you say Steve, you mean Steve Carter. Carter. Steve Carter, yes. A former
0: pastor who resigned in 2018 over the way that Willow Creek handled the women, the victims of Bill Hybels. Correct. Yeah, so so you confronted him for that.
1: Yes, and the elder told me that... um, They were thinking about that and considering that. And can I say what happened after that? Um, Sure. Okay, well, I texted Steve Carter to say, guess what? Um, They said they're considering letting you speak, and he responded back saying that actually he had talked with the gentleman that morning, and they had told him absolutely not. Mm. So I just felt disheartened again. another phone call with being told something that apparently wasn't true again. Mm. And Steve's wife, Sarah, has tweeted... Uh, I saved the
0: tweet where she said they have spent twenty thousand dollars in legal fees trying to in- disentangle themselves from the church without signing yeah, an, an NDA, NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, which a lot of employees at Willow have done just to get the severance because it's the right. only way they can. Supposedly, I mean, this is the story uh, that they're telling. But good for you for for asking for that at least um, during that conversation
1: any apology um well he said on behalf of the elder board we're sorry for what happened to you and that was pretty much it no not really an apology certainly not and i'm sorry one of those vague apologies that willow likes to do hmm. so why did he call exactly i'm not completely sure i maybe to feel out where i was on it or damage control or hope I'd say everything's fine or mm. something like that. He got off the, but when I told him it was a recorded line, he got off as fast as he could. Sure. By the way, I've reached out to Jeff Mason, the
0: elder board, Steve Gilling, the acting um, mm-hmm. senior pastor at Willow Creek. I've reached out to everybody that you named in your story. Mm-hmm. Some of them have responded. If you want to read Ann's story, I did post it, julieroys.com. Roy's, you can read the entire account. You can also read the stories as, they, as they've been breaking and the responses. Uh, I also reached out to Dr. Gilbert Bilzekian. At first he said that he would meet with me and interview with me along with his wife. And then after the account came out that Willow Creek was saying they believed you, then he said he didn't want to meet anymore. And he retracted that, although he said he was postponing, I think, till. End of February, but we'll, we'll see. And the offer's still open. I would be happy to talk to him. But what I'd like you to do is take us back. I know, please. I, I, I didn't want to say everything. Uh, obviously, we can't recount no, no. everything that's happened in 35 years. But help people understand because I've talked to a lot of abuse victims, mm-hmm. and especially when they're victimized by a spiritual authority. How did you get drawn into this? with Dr. B, how did it start, and what was it in you that drew you to him?
1: Um, I'd already been through a tremendous amount of, bu- of abuse from early childhood on, and um, then on top of that, um, I had an engagement breakup, and we were, I was attending a very small church with only a couple of hundred people, and the way I found out that he was breaking up with me was when his girlfriend told me that they were getting married. So I decided the church was a little too small for the three of us. And um, I'd been getting invitations to Willow for about four years. But consistently what they would say was, it's really fun and there's lots of cute guys. And I thought those were terrible reasons for uh, attending a church. So I didn't take them up. But I finally decided to try it. And I thought, God, I'm really serious about getting to know you. So I'm going to sit way up front. Um, where I can't see the cute guys and won't get distracted and where I can concentrate on you. And so that's how I picked fifth floor, fifth row aisle as close to center as I could get because Lakeside I didn't really have a center aisle. And I sat there consistently. And uh, starting late October, um, Dr. B preached a lot of the midweeks. And I think it was the very first week, if not the very first, the second one then, that I saw his eyes fix on me. And I, I thought, that's bizarre, um, because I was under the mis-, mis-, apprehend- uh, mis I didn't understand that you could see past the floodlights. Oh. And so I thought, hmm, I can't imagine why anybody would be watching me, so it must be somebody behind me or anything else. But week after week, this kept happening. So I didn't do anything for over a year. I just sat there, tried to concentrate on God. And finally, in December of eighty five, so now more than a year later, um, I'd seen somebody off and on who was all into uh, speaking in tongues. And um, so I decided to stand after one of the services and ask Dr. B if he had anything to do, to, to uh, written about speaking in tongues. And I also thought it would answer my question about whether he'd been watching me for over a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you want me to say more now? Yeah. Okay, so um, after the service, I stood in the back of this very long line that reached past the um, end of the lakeside uh, into the auditorium, so lots of people. And I'd been standing there maybe five or ten minutes um, when I saw him lean around the line and look all the way to the back and saw me. And he left the front of the line and came all the way back towards me. And I had no idea why he was coming. I was afraid I was in trouble. And um, he grabbed both of my hands, kissed me on both cheeks, and said, I have been wanting to meet you for so long. And he said, will you please have a seat and wait for me? And I just sat there in bewilderment. I had no idea what this was about. No, mm. I, I could not think of a single reason why the legend of Willow Creek would be watching me for over a year.
0: Hmm. The legend of Willow Creek, because here he was, one of the co-founders. Yeah. and right. I know there's quite the story of him mentoring Bill Hybels Correct. and the church getting started. So so he, he then talks to you After this service. Correct. And shows you a great deal of attention. I know when you told me this story um, earlier, you said, wow, people here at Willow (laughs) Creek are are so so friendly. friendly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, at first you were kind of taken, like just that he had a very pure
1: interest in you. Exactly. Yeah. I thought, wow, somebody actually sees me and wants to mentor me. and, And I was... I thought that was just really cool. Yeah. I hadn't had that. And something you said to me, he was about the age. Of my father, of yes. my father. Don't. Why is that
0: significant?
1: <sighs> well, that might make me cry. Um, mm-hmm. I loved my father. Mm-hmm. I think my father loved me as best as he could, but um, I don't think he ever said he was proud of me. Um, He said he loved me after I had a stroke and he was afraid I was going to die. (laughs) But other than that, not a whole lot of attention or affirmation from my father. And so Dr. B being only um, one or two years younger than my father and him uh, seeming to want to have a relationship with me or be interested in me or, or think I was interesting or anything like that felt like getting a father's attention. And um, that, that struck me deeply. So you had this hole. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And, and he hooked
0: that, yeah. that hole. And I found this with so many abusers or predators that they seem to sense. They have like a sixth sense for what that weakness is, and they know how to hook. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've been in codependent relationships before. It happened to me once, actually, and it was enough. It was devastating. And I uh, learned a lot about myself in that whole process. But when you're in it, you don't realize what's going on. No, no,
1: I was clueless.
0: Yeah. And you had no awareness <laughs> that that might be a weakness. And yet he kind of described what happened from there yeah. and and how y- you got into, you know, and allowed the abuse. Yeah. I shouldn't say allowed because I know every time You Every time
1: I try to talk him into a...
0: Yeah, and forgive me for saying that because I know that's not true. But, I mean, how (laughs) you stayed in the relationship despite the abuse would probably be the way to say it.
1: Right. Um, Well, when I finally uh, got to talk to him that day, I told him that I was looking for some information on speaking in tongues. And he said, no problem, I just wrote something. He said, why don't you stop by my office and pick it up? And again, I thought... My gosh, this church takes such a personal interest in people. Mm. I get to go to Dr. B's office and pick up this literature. And I thought maybe learn more about God. I was kind of like stunned. Mm. And so um, that afternoon in December, um, I went up to his office. It was a, a third floor office and all, kind of all by itself. And um, it was quite a meeting. He was already talking with uh, three young college men. And so I had some time to look around his office, and it was a fascinating office, lots of books, lots of philodendron plants draped everywhere. But then my attention was caught by a banner that he had across most of his desk. It was about four inches high, and it said, better to burn than marry. Which is the flip. Correct. Of the verse. I knew there was the verse about being better to marry than burn. And I thought, why would he have this banner on his desk, and that would hurt his wife's feelings? And... What is that about? And he's a professor, and I just I couldn't imagine why. So, that was top on my list of things to talk about. Hmm. So, um, when the the young gentleman uh, left the office, um, Doctor B invited me here to have a seat. You did ask me if he locked the door, and you know I don't know if he did. Yeah, I, I wasn't thinking to pay attention to that, or I'd have probably run. <laughs> <laughs> right, because you were unsuspecting. Right, so. Um, We spent about five minutes talking about speaking in tongues, and he gave me the literature. And then I said, Before we talk about anything else, I need to ask you about this banner. And I said, Can you tell me why this is on your desk? And that was all he needed. So I got to hear about his life from birth on, basically. (laughs) I got to hear that at four, his mother died, and he'd never known the love of a woman, never been hugged and told he loved him, and that his father was a cold, loveless man. Um, who never told him he loved him. And then, I hate talking about Maria. I mean, uh, do I need to, I guess I have to say that part too. Um, he said that he had never loved her, that it was a marriage of convenience, that they both wanted to be youth pastors and were the, under the impression that they had to be married to be youth pastors. And so he said it was more like of a business arrangement. And... Um, that hurt to just hear that. I hurt for her. And then he said once she started having children, they both, um, uh, he, Maria decided she did not want to be a youth pastor, according to him. And he said, um, he discovered that Maria was a cold, bitter, heartless person who didn't even love their children and, and that he wished he hadn't married her. And then he went on to um, say all kinds of things about me, that he was, he could see in me what this wonderful, empathetic, deep-hearted person I was and um, uh, how he needed somebody like me around to continue doing ministry, as draining as it was and all that. And I'm not sure if he talked for an hour or two hours. I just know it was getting dark by the end of the conversation. And so he um, he basically told me he needed me. And this was at a time in my life where I wasn't sure what god wanted to do with my life so that was extremely confusing and um so i had enough to wrestle with right then but when it was you know getting dark and it was time to go um we left his office well we walked outside the door and he turned and closed it and um i was on the left side of him the door uh the left side of the hallway or the uh, of the stairs and um, without warning, after he locked the door, he turned around and shoved me with both hands against the wall and uh, stuck his tongue down my throat, which was really quite appalling. And then while I was still trying to push him away from me, he grabbed one of my breasts, and um, I was finally able to push him away, and he started skipping down the steps. I have never seen a 50-something-year-old man skip, but he was skipping, and he was laughing, mm. and he sounded like a teenager or a child And he got to the bottom of the steps, and he said, you make me so happy. You make me feel like I'm a teenager. And I meanwhile was thinking, what the heck just happened? Mm. Hmm. And I don't remember the rest of that day. I kind of went into shock. I bet. So, yeah, your
0: emotional state, I can only imagine after something like that.
1: How did you process that? I didn't have anybody to process it with. Um I he'd already made it clear I was important to his keeping Willow going so mm. I loved Willow so I didn't want to say anything that might harm Willow I couldn't tell my parents um because everything was my fault <laughs> mm. according to them you know and I didn't have any friends that I felt safe I mean he told me I needed to keep a secret so I didn't it just weighed on me and I didn't even realize how heavy that weight was.
2: Hmm.
0: Wow. And he also really spoke to that need to feel important. Yeah. To feel needed. To all all of those things. So
1: then, what what, what happened from there? I mean, it it continued. Yes. Um, um. Not specifically like that, but no. I never let him grab my breast again, and I never went to his office again. And there was never a time when he managed to suddenly attack me and give me a kiss that I didn't shove him away. And I never voluntarily gave him one for sure. <laughs> mm. In fact, my sole aim was to try to get him to get help, which he absolutely refused time after time after time. Mm. But you would
0: have sort of a, an, an agreement. I don't know if it was spoken or not. It was spoken. It was spoken. Okay. Where you would, whenever he preached... Mm-hmm. you would sit in your normal normal location, but you would wait for him afterwards because a lot of people would want to talk to him.
1: Yes, and he would ask me to wait. I don't remember how he initially asked me, but every time he spoke, he would ask me to wait for him. And I did. <laughs> I um, still wasn't sure what to do with the whole he needed me and Willow needed me and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that went on. So afterwards, you you wouldn't you go to the car, and talk um, afterwards? Yes, um, we'd wait until pretty much everybody was gone. Um, there were a couple of hanger-oners that seemed to want to talk to him, but he didn't talk to them, so I never have figured that one out. Um, but we'd talk in the church for a while until they basically were vacuuming or something, and then we'd go sit in one of the cars. We didn't make out in the cars. Um, that wasn't going to happen. I did have a door I could get out of. Um, But we would talk for a long time, and sometimes we talked about God, which that was the part I liked. And then other times we would just talk about his, his life. (laughs) Hmm. Did he ever physically assault you again? Well, it depends upon if you call grabbing somebody and kissing them when you didn't want it uh, assaulting. That would be. Um, I never never allowed him to, um, grab any other parts. Um, There were times that we took walks where we held hands or put arms around each other's waist. And the only reason I agreed to that was it it kept his hands tied up. (laughs) Mm. It meant he couldn't surprise me. Mm. It eventually broke off. Yes. And that's when you started Um, dating your husband? Well... um, I think I'd been seeing him less towards the end of 1987. I I know Mm -hmm. that I I saw him on October 31st in 1987. I have in my notes. But yes, my my mother had picked out a husband for me. (laughs) And um, I was the obedient child. And um, so this person was willing. (sighs) I sort of gave up. Um, And then, so this was around christmas time and he had christmas at our house and um i agreed to marry him and meanwhile my mother came was told that she had stage four cancer and they gave her two weeks to live hmm. and so she asked me to please get married well before she died
0: hmm. so you got married the relationship with dr b
1: changed pretty much, it changed yeah okay um how did it change? Well, he, he no longer, I think he's, on, well, that's my only guess. I I'm, I'm, can't prove it unless I talk to other people. I think he yeah. only likes single women. So, mm-hmm. you know, I belong, maybe it's just the thought that somebody else is having mm-hmm. relationships that makes him uninterested. I don't know. <laughs> you must
0: have been in a lot of conflict during uh, the, what it was about two and a half years? Yeah. That this was going on, even though you're trying not to allow him physically touch you yet there's an emotional affair going on and you've got to feel bad as a as a believer you know this is wrong how how did you explain what was going on inside
1: um you know i was still even though i grew up in the church my church really didn't teach the bible they just taught little passages and so Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways i was still a baby believer and still trying to figure it out and you know my parents had told me that I was an accident, not an accident of birth, but not mm. the child they wanted, and um, that I shouldn't exist. And so, I mean, I hate saying that if you, to my brothers if you're listening. <laughs> you had a sister who who died, died right the year before ahead of me. You. Yes. Yeah. And so, so there was trauma in your family. And so I was the replacement child mm. <laughs> on top Sorry. of that. So I wasn't, given that my mother said I was breathing somebody else's air that should mm. be there. Um, I wasn't sure if I had a purpose. And so I was trying to figure out what God wanted me to do with my life. I really didn't have a clue. I didn't know if I had gifts. I didn't know if I had anything to offer the world. And meanwhile, this person is telling me that he needs me for Willow to continue. Hmm. That if I stop seeing him, Willow will fall apart. And that I was the only person in the world that understood him. Everyone else had an agenda. They wanted to get close to a famous person. So mm. I kept asking God, is this what you want me to do, is to just keep begging him for help? And I wasn't mature enough to know that no, God would have said no to that. Mm. So um, so that was a lot of it, was I, I kept saying, and he asked me to call him Gil. I would say, Gil, please get into marriage counseling. And he mm-hmm. would say, it's too late for me. And he'd say, and besides, I can't divorce her since she hasn't cheated on me, and I'd never be allowed to preach again mm. if I divorced her. Mm. And I'd say, please get into a men's group. And he'd say, I don't like men. And I'd say, please talk to Bill. And he said, Bill Heibels would never understand. Well, that part I've wondered about since then. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were all these reasons. Uh, and he would tell me how depressed he was and that I was the only cheerful spot in his life. And just on and on and on uh, to where I felt like I was in a cage and couldn't get out. Mm-hmm. So... You got married. Your first marriage ended in divorce. Yes. I
0: know there's a episode in between where um, after,
1: as you were getting the divorce, that um, you say he reached out to you. My divorce was final. I'd been separated for a year and a half. My divorce was final mm. um, January 18th, uh, 1998. And he called me on uh, New Year's Day to tell me that I was his hero um, for going through a divorce from a very abusive marriage and um, parenting myself that he had the greatest of admiration for single mothers. And then 10 days after my um, divorce was final, um, I got a postcard from him from I forget which country. And so I guess I was single again. (laughs) Mm. But I didn't ever allow him to uh, touch me Except for the one time in 2004 where he kissed me on the cheek. Hmm. So then there's a lot of
0: years in between. Yeah. You marry your current husband, Mark. Um, my, uh, the love of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and you begin getting counseling, getting healthier. Um, in 2010 it was brutal. That's when you said, I'm going to tell the church. Tell me about that. Yeah,
1: I spent 20 years before I told my first therapist. And then the second therapist I told, and she just went off the rails. She was so upset about it all. Mm. And so I started taking it more seriously and talking about it. So in 2010, I finally had the courage, and I called, and I asked Bill's assistant um, if I could talk to Bill, and she said no. And I said, this is a really important subject. Can I please talk to him? I want to keep it private. And she said no. No. And I actually liked this person. She was just following protocol. And then I asked if I might speak to an elder, and she said no. And I said, look, this is about Dr. B, and I really wanted to stay private. And she said no. (laughs) And so I was referred to the um, now infamous or famous um, elder response team, the ERT. And so we ended up having three different meetings that year in 2010 with uh, Scott Vaudry and Chris Herda. And um, to say they were draining is an understatement. Um, I shook and cried through the whole thing. Um, I felt so shameful and wicked and just bad about myself. And they acted like they weren't hearing anything that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so that just made it worse, was just, Chris not so much, Chris us. Is, is a kind person, but Scott's eyes devoid of any of emotion. Um, And I didn't really get the feeling they took me seriously. And at the end, um, Scott Pottery kind of shoveled his papers, whatever, and and said, well, you know, since this didn't go to sex, um, this doesn't need to go any farther. And uh, me with my um, everything's my fault mentality thought that meant that that week they weren't going to kick me out of Willow. You expected to get kicked out? Yes, I thought they meant me and that they'd let me stay because it didn't go to sex so mm. every week for the you must have felt so much shame it was awful so every week for until we talked to Chris again I would shake coming into the church I still shake actually when I got there because mm. um, I never knew would this be the week they would kick me out would this be the week that they told me I was a terrible horrible person and get rid of me mm. um, so it it definitely started um, affecting my health badly. Um, in 2010, I spent a lot of the year in bed with many doctors. Hmm. In 2011, I had breast cancer, and um, at that meeting, yeah,
0: did they communicate to you that there would be a restriction put on Doctor B? Um,
1: yes, uh, um, my husband helped with this asking, and and we wanted to know. I wanted to make sure Bill Hypels heard about this, and I wanted to know what his response was. And um, I wanted to make sure the elders were told. They never really did answer me about the elders, but I was told that Bill Hybels said that Dr. B would never speak on a Willow Creek stage again. Okay. Now, now they, I didn't realize that that was such strategic wording until the last few years.
0: <laughs> okay. So fast forward... Um, there's an incident where you get an email from the head of the marriage ministry saying that Dr. B is mentoring. Yes. Is mentoring volunteers. And there's an advanced conference coming up and encouraging people to go to it. Um, This was in uh, 2017. 2017. Yeah. Um,
1: Explain what happened there. You know, It's not her fault. She didn't know. She was old friends with Dr. B and nobody had ever told her. Mm -hmm. And um, she was very excited about this opportunity. She told us, I think she contacted everybody who'd ever been in the marriage ministries and said what a wonderful opportunity this was that Mm -hmm. um, Dr. B would be doing a marriage leading seminar. I always thought that was so ironic when they would talk about him leading marriage seminars. And so I forwarded the email to Scott Faudry and Chris Herda. Mm-hmm. and um, said, you know, you might want to be concerned about this. And I thought the agreement was, you know, that he wouldn't do this. And the next day, um, Pat sent out another email saying, you know, you still have time to sign up for this. And um, he still spoke. Scott and Chris didn't stop him.
0: And there was an email that went out encouraging people still to go to this advanced conference. Now, I know I have reached out to Scott Vaudry. He said he misread the email. Hmm and then in 2018 after he resigned that then he went back and looked and read your email and he said he got felt sick at that point and said it was the biggest mistake of his ministry life that he didn't respond he didn't do anything how do you receive that
1: uh, what crosses over into slander <laughs> um, my experience with Scott has not been good um, I have had him yell at me before um, I've had him say really nasty things. I've never had him look at me with anything like empathy. I've never heard anything remotely close to him. Sorry for what you went through. I think he's a very smooth talker, a very mm-hmm. smooth writer, and I absolutely don't believe that. The Did he ever reach out to you and apologize? Oh, golly, no. No. Heck no. No. Um, there also was a situation
0: in 2015 where there was a 40th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I have just a short clip from that anniversary. Um, We're going to play that, and then I'd like your response to how you felt when you heard this.
2: Tonight, we make our permanent contribution to this historic stadium by installing our one and only true legend from Willow Creek Church. And I'd like to ask you to all stand respectfully
1: right now. Stand respectfully.
2: gentlemen, hailing from Paris, France, standing 5'7 and weighing 170 pounds, former president of Hegazian College in Beirut, Lebanon, professor at Wheaton College and Trinity University, earning his bachelor's degree from the University of Paris, his graduate degree from Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary, and his doctorate from Boston University, an author A teacher, a much sought after counselor to world leaders. Put your hands together for the one and only, the indomitable, the living legend of Willow Creek Community Church, Dr. Gilbert Belzekian.
0: The living legend of Willow Creek. They say, the church says, back in 2010, it believed your story, <laughs> restricted him from speaking, and then immortalized him in 2015. You're,
1: did you go to that? I did. I, Wow. What was that like? Um, I felt nauseous, for one thing, and a bit angry, too, and then... I thought, you're, you're breaking what you said. But then I paid attention, and he wasn't on the Willow Creek stage. <laughs>
0: so, so
1: technically... Technically, he didn't violate what Bill Hybels had said. <laughs> I had never said, please don't talk about the legend of Willow Creek. <laughs> so I just... Golly, it just made me aware that um, Bill Hybels had not disseminated the information to other people.
0: Mm. Well... I hate to draw this to a close because I'm sure there's so much more we could talk about, but I think the final thing I just want to know is um, what would you have to say to other women out there who have been abused Mm -hmm. by spiritual authorities and feel like they haven't been taken seriously? Mm
1: -hmm. Speak to that person. Um, Well, something I'm learning is that you don't have to always be um, controlled by your trauma and that there is life after trauma. Mm. So that's the space I'm starting to enter. And I would give them encouragement to keep doing whatever it is that helps them keep plugged into themselves. For me, it's been journaling. Um, And I would say, do that. Take the next right step, whatever that is for you. That doesn't mean go confront immediately. Just if there's one tiny, I really believe in tiny steps more than big steps. Take the tiny step that you can withstand Mm. and then take the next tiny step that you can withstand. And hopefully have at least a couple of people around you who will support that. But the, the little steps that you take that you make part of your lifestyle become permanent. And that's what's really important. And that's what I would encourage other people with is to have hope. To believe that God really does love you, and um, that He can take you through this. Mm. Well, Anne, I want to thank you so much for coming in.
0: I know it's not easy to talk about this and to relive some of the trauma that you've experienced, but I'm deeply grateful. So, thank you.
1: Thank you. Uh, Can I just say I would do this a hundred times over if anybody gets help through this. Mm. So, thank you. Thank you for the privilege. Yeah. Well,
0: again, you've been listening to the Roy's Report, a podcast dedicated to reporting the truth and restoring the church. I'm Julie Roy's, and if you'd like to find me online, just go to julieroy's, spelled R O Y S dot com. Thank you so much for joining me. Hope you have a great day, and
1: God bless.